helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to another episode of the Life Transformation Show. I'm your co-host, Denise Hart, and today we embark on the topic, Rediscovering God, Strategies for the Dismissive Avoidant. If you'd like to find out more about our ministry or need counseling help, you can go to our website, elimcounselingministry.com. If you're listening today and have always desired a closer relationship with God, but just can't seem to ever feel close enough to God, chances are there are psychological factors hindering you. Chances are you have what psychologists call the dismissive avoidance style of attachment, and it is affecting your ability to connect with God in a deep way. Well, you have tuned into the right program. Here in studio today to help us explore this topic is psychotherapist Michael Hart. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Denise, for setting up this topic so well with that introduction. This is such a profoundly important topic to me. As you know, 90% of my clients are Christian. And what I find in my practice is that people often come in with this issue of struggling to feel close to God, but not being able to ever get to that place. So I think what we're going to uncover here today is going to be very helpful for you if you're in that situation. That is very interesting, Michael. I guess the psychological factors in our lives do affect us spiritually as well. Why don't you begin by briefly describing who is classified as dismissive avoidant and why? So this is a type of uh, personality that is characterized by people who have learned to be self-reliant and emotionally independent from a young age. They may have experienced parents or caregivers who were less emotionally available to their needs and wants, or were inconsistent in how they responded to them in time of their need. So as a result, these individuals have learned to become independent. These individuals tend to prioritize self-sufficiency as a result, and they often downplay the importance of close emotional connections. They may even be uncomfortable with vulnerability and emotional intimacy, and this includes close emotional intimacy even with God. So, Michael, Can you expand on how having this dismissive avoidance style affect a person's relationship with God? Yes. So people with dismissive avoidant attachment style may extend their self-sufficiency and independence to how they relate to God. They may approach their faith then more from a cerebral or theological perspective. And as a result, they emphasize intellectual understanding over emotional connection. So they're more in their head than in their hearts. And as a result, they may, they may perceive God as distant or uninvolved in their daily lives. 
as they are less inclined to seek out emotional closeness with God. So what we also find with these individuals with the dismissive avoidance style is that in times of crisis or emotional need, they may struggle to turn to God for emotional support, preferring to rely on their own problem-solving abilities. And this is not, this is not strange if you think about it from what happened during their childhood. They have learned to be self-sufficient. They have learned to have to depend on themselves because of having uninvolved caregivers. So when they're in trouble as adults and they're in times of crisis, the tendency is to feel that they have to rely on themselves instead of seeking help from others or seeking help from God. So I can't help but think that the name dismissive avoidant may suggest that people who have this attachment style may not be very engaged with their faith community. So how does dismissive avoidant engage with their faith community? That's a very good question, Denise. And what I find that with people with dismissive avoidance from the people I have counseled is that they often view faith as a personal belief system, system rather than a communal or societal practice. So they prioritize independence and may feel may not feel the need to attend religious services or community activities activities regularly. They're thinking in terms of what works for them. They don't have the sense of the benefits that can be can be gained from being part of a vibrant faith community. So they may fi- you may find that they can maintain their faith or at least they feel so that they can maintain their faith on an individual level without engaging with their religious gatherings. That's very interesting, Michael. Well, religious leaders typically encourage active participation in religious services and community activities. And leaders may have difficulty fostering a sense of belonging and connection among the members if some individuals are only sporadically involved. So what can religious leaders do to encourage attendance of the dismissive avoidant? That is such an important question, Denise, because if we have individuals within our church groups that are not attending the services, it makes it very hard to build a community, an engaged community. So to address this challenge, leaders can emphasize the value of community and the value of shared spiritual experiences while respecting the personal nature of faith for dismissive, avoidant individuals. So they can create opportunities for involvement that accommodate varying levels of participation. For example, they can have participation in small groups or online resources. And by providing these options for engagement, what they're doing is that they are respecting the individual autonomy of the dismissive avoidant, while at the same time giving them options to engage with the community in different ways. 
and they can have a choice to do so when they feel comfortable if they have these options available. So what I'm hearing you say, Michael, is that people with this uh, avoidance style needs a little bit more encouragement to participate in uh, community um and involve in different activities. Absolutely. It's not a one size fits all. So if you have a church uh, that is set up with just a lot of large group gathering, then you're going to exclude these people who tend to gravitate more towards individual or smaller group settings. So Michael, how does the dismissive avoidant engage with the experiential aspect of faith? Another good question. So what I find is that the dismissive avoidant individuals often approach their fate more from an intellectual perspective. So by doing so, they, they seek understanding based on reason and evidence, which can lead to expression of skepticism or doubt regarding religious and spiritual experiences that emphasize emotional or mystical encounters with God. So what we find is that with these individuals, they tend to be skeptic about with things that cannot be explained by logic. So I can imagine that religious leaders may find it challenging to engage dismissive avoidant individuals on an emotional or experiential level when they express skepticism of mystical experience. So what should religious leaders do to help these individuals in their faith walk? I think leaders can adapt their approach to cater to the intellectual aspects of of faith for these individuals. So this may involve organizing study groups, providing opportunities opportunities for theological discussions and offering rational explanations for religious teachings and practice. It's not enough to just say the church believes in it. People with the dismissive avoidance style believe if they cannot understand the basis for a, for the beliefs of the church. So by respecting these individuals' intellectual approach, leaders can provide a bridge for connecting with them on an intellectual level while they explore their spiritual journey. So this will allow for a more inclusive and supportive environment where individuals with a dismissive avoidance style can feel a part of a community in which they can express their intellectual understanding or gain an intellectual understanding of the belief. So it's not just good enough for them to have a mystical experience or for them to feel that other people are having a mis- are having mystical experiences such as maybe uh, feeling that God is speaking to them or people are being healed. These individuals are not likely to just believe in healing because people reported being healed. So the disciple Thomas 
Thomas is a good example of someone who displayed the traits of dismissive avoidance style. We see this in John 20 verse 24 to 28 when the 12 disciples reported that they had seen the risen Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So here we have Thomas being more of an intellectual type saying, just because everyone else is saying that he's risen from the dead, I'm not going to believe it because intellectually, I know that people do not rise from the dead. And so a week later, the the scripture says that a week later, his disciples, Jesus' disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So even though he didn't believe what they believed, he was still with them. And something mystical happened. The Bible tells us in verse 26 that through, that though the doors were locked, locked, Jesus came and stood among them. So can you just imagine this mystical experience? You're in a room. The door is locked. And suddenly, someone walks through the wall of the room. This is a mystical experience. So Thomas, the the person who needed evidence, who is evidence-based, who is scientific, he's saying, I'm not going to believe in this mystical experience that you're telling me that Jesus has risen from the dead. And Jesus showed him a mystical experience. He walked through the closed door. And he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believing. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. So we see from this passage that Jesus did not chastise Thomas for not believing, but went out of his way to connect with him in a way that Thomas needed to grow in his faith. It would be easy for a religious leader, if they were in Jesus' shoes, to become frustrated at Thomas for not believing after seeing all the miracles that that Jesus had done And hearing the testimony of the believers, I can understand how some religious leaders would be frustrated with someone who is acting like Thomas. But Jesus went out of his way to meet Thomas. So the message here that I'm giving to religious leaders is that if you have people who are like Thomas, who are displaying this dismissive avoidance style, don't try to fit them into the camp of everyone else. They may need to be reached in a specific way. And Jesus went out of his way to reach Thomas the way that he knew that he could be reached in a scientific way, in a proof-based approach. And this was what brought Thomas to the place where he said, my Lord and my God. Oh, our Jesus, he knows us all, inside and out. (laughs) He knows everything about us, eh? Uh, Jesus is the one that truly understands the dismissive avoidant uh, style person. So, 
What I'm understanding, Michael, is that by understanding the challenges posed by the dismissive avoidant and adjusting their approach accordingly, religious leaders can create a faith community that welcomes individuals with this style and support their spiritual journey. So how does the dismissive avoidant approach prayer? That's a good question. So what I find is that when it comes to prayer, dismissive avoidant individuals often have a unique approach and it is influenced by their attachment style and personal traits such as self-sufficiency, pragmatism, and reluctance to become emotionally vulnerable. So here is an here are a few ways in which they approach prayer. So the dismissive avoidant individual may find it more challenging to engage in forms of prayer that involve worship or adoration. We see that King David was very good in prayers of adoration. In Psalm 103, verse 1 to 2, for example, David wrote, Praise the Lord my soul and my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. But people with the dismissive avoidance style, they may prefer prayers that allow them to acknowledge God's existence and seek his assistance. In other words, they are more prone to to, to seek God for practical things, what they need, instead of engaging in worship. So, the, so their prayer tend to be very practical and goal-oriented. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Live Transformation Show, where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, Rediscovering God, Strategies for the Dismissive Avoidant. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914, where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. So, Michael, my mind went back to the example you gave earlier of Thomas, who you said had dismissive avoidant traits. So he doubted that God had risen from the dead, even though the other disciples told him of seeing the risen Lord. So would this kind of doubting extend to the dismissive avoidant prayer life as well? Absolutely. Yes, these individuals may approach prayer with a degree of caution in terms of their trust in God. They may struggle with fully surrendering their concerns or problems to a higher power. And this is often due to a preference for self-reliance and independence. And so they may seek signs or clear answers to their prayers, desiring concrete evidence of God's intervention before fully embracing faith and trust. And I think Gideon was a good example of this, where God told Gideon that he would give him the victory over the enemies, but Gideon still wanted to see signs. So he had this fleece that he set out before God and, and God had to show him multiple other proof before Gideon would believe. Yes, Michael, that's very interesting. So before we move off this topic of prayer, 
Worship is such an important aspect of faith that if the dismissive avoidant is negligent in this area, then they are missing a very powerful spiritual resource. So what advice would you give someone who wants to add this to their prayer life. So I'm glad you went back to that because this is very important. And I think one of the way they can build their, the worship aspect of their prayer life is to develop the practice of gratitude. Begin by intentionally thinking of things in your life that you can be grateful for. People who have the dismissive avoidant trait tend to look right past their blessing and focus on what they don't have. So as the name implies, they dismiss their their blessings and they think only of what their needs are, what they don't have. So to develop this ability to worship, you have to be able to have gratitude for where you are at in the moment in life. So think of the blessings, the things that God have blessed you with. And yes, for some of you, you might be going through hard times, and I'm not trying to minimize that, but there, there are still things that you can give God thanks for. Psalm 145 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise is greatness no one can fathom. And so we see the psalmist here just praising God, just worshiping God, not putting any needs before him. And similarly, we can see this in Psalm 111 and and Psalm 111 that ta- begins with, Praise the Lord, I will extol, extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Another thing that they can do is to make a conscious effort to include praise and adoration in their prayer routine. Set aside specific moments during your prayer time dedicated to expressing gratitude. You know what they say about practice becomes perfect. Even if you don't feel it, begin to practice praising things, praising God for the things that he has blessed you with and utilize scripture. I've just Quoted a number of psalms that talks about praise. You can begin by reading these psalms. Look up there several psalms that just ha- is just about praising God. Begin by reading this biblical passage and let it become a part of your routine in your prayer life. Thank you for sharing those, Michael. It is so easy for all of us to get caught up in only praying for things. So my next question is. How does the dismissive avoidant deal with their own imperfections? So this is a a very important aspect that needs to be addressed when it comes to the dismissive avoidant because they might feel uncomfortable acknowledging their imperfection to others. And they they put up this front of self-sufficiency and as if they have it all together. So they might not be able to express their flaws to other people in the church or express their, 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 their failures even to God because of this need to be self-sufficient. I find this strangely intriguing that someone would, could be afraid to tell God who already knows all things that they are struggling with moral failures. So can you use a biblical example to illustrate this point? Yes, the the rich young ruler, I think it's a good example of that. And we find this in Mark 
10, where this young person came to Jesus. He was young and he was wealthy. And he came to Jesus and he asked, what might I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, he called Jesus good master, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. So Jesus is setting the stage here for what is about to unfold later in this meeting, because what Jesus is telling him is that everyone has flaws except God. And then Jesus said, you know the commandments, and Jesus named the commandments. And then the, the, the rich young ruler said to Jesus, all of these I have kept since my youth. So we see the audacity of this man that even though Jesus told him no one was good, in his next breath he's telling Jesus that he has been a good boy since his youth and he has kept all the commandments perfectly. So here I think there is a person who is unable to to express that they have flaws. And it's 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 this conscious recognition of those flaws that made him come to Jesus in the first place, but he's not willing to open up to Jesus and to admit that he has moral failures. And we all do have moral failures, Michael. What are some of the other practical tools that could assist the dismissive avoidant in their walk with God? Well, I think, first of all, uh, just embracing imperfection. Self-compassion practices involving acknowledging our imperfection is very important and not beating up on yourself for your imperfection because the truth is that we all have imperfection. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't strive to be better, but do not make yourself feel worthless and unworthy of God's presence or go into denial because of your, your imperfection. And also, uh, self-compassion practices that encourage grace, believing in God's grace and forgiveness is important. Understanding that God freely offers forgiveness and He's open and willing and able to forgive you if you ask. He's not holding your moral failures about you if you come to Him in prayer. So I think turning to, to, to grace, to God's grace is important. And I think hell to self-talk. A lot of dismissive avoidance cannot open up to others because there are self-talks that say, I have to be perfect. I have to be self-sufficient. No one will love me if I am imperfect. And those things are just not true. So it's important to change your self-talk. So you can start seeing that God loves you whether you fail or not. That people will not dismiss you if you open up. As a matter of fact, people will feel closer to you. And the other thing that you can do is keep a prayer journal. This will build a capacity for praise as you will start realizing that there are prayers that have been helpful. Prayers that have been answered, I should say. So, Michael... Do you have any scriptures that could uh, be helpful uh, to the dismissive avoidance? Yes, a scripture that comes to mind is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, where we read, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for by po my power is made perfect in 
your weakness. And another scripture is 1 Peter 4, verse 10, where, where we read, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God of God's grace in its various forms. So this to the dismissive avoidant is saying, you have a gift that people in the church need and you can use it to benefit others. I think it may also be helpful to remember the example you gave of Thomas in John 20, 24 to 28, where God invited Thomas with his doubting heart to come to him and touch him to alleviate his doubts. God is gracious and merciful to us despite our failures. So thank you, Michael, for helping us to understand this attachment style. We're quickly out of time today. Thank you for joining us today as we explore how people with dismissive avoidant attachment style can strengthen their relationship with God. Tune in next Monday when we will be looking on how people with the fearful avoidant type of attachment can strengthen their faith in God. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find this and past episodes on Elim Counseling Service. YouTube channel or elimcounselingministry.com. Until next time, this is your co-host Denise Hart and Michael Hart praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.